Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. When we finish today, there will be no doubt at all of the spiritual condition of this nation in your mind. Amen. Romans chapter 1. This is pretty shocking to people not familiar with Romans 1. Many people are not familiar with the New Testament at all. Sometimes those who are supposedly Christian are not familiar with the real intent of Romans chapter 1. But here's what you have. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Here's the key phrase. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You want to put yourself as an entity, as a corporate group of people. You want to put yourself in the worst possible condition. Go ahead and suppress the truth. Just suppress the truth. Verse 19 says, That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. God has revealed his truth into the human heart. Man is created in the image of Christ who is in the image of God. He's created like God. He's created with rational capabilities, moral capabilities, a conscience, a built, it's built into the fabric of man. According to Romans chapter 2, it's the law of God written in their hearts and the attendant consciousness that, that on the knowledge of that law, it accuses or excuses man. So that everybody has the knowledge of God to some degree or another in his heart. It's evident. How did God make it evident? Verse 20. From the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, bring, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Nobody can stand in front of God and have any excuse for not believing in the true God who's the creator. No one. The evidence is too massive. Every culture can look at creation and by virtue of the simple principle of cause and effect know that there had to be a cause for this massive effect that we call the world. The problem is man suppresses the truth. Verse 21, even though they knew God because God had planted that knowledge in them, they did not honor him as God. They didn't give him thanks. They were futile, 
empty in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Amen. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. That's a lot to absorb, I admit. But let me try and make it very simple for you. Amen. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against people who suppress the truth. The knowledge of God's in the human heart. It's very part of being human. God has, He has given you physical senses, the five physical senses. He has given you spiritual senses and a rational mind so that you can reason from effect back to cause, back to cause, till finally you come all the way back to the ultimate cause. And your mind demands that there be a creator God who has the capacity to create not only a material universe, but a spiritual universe, who has the capacity to think and to reason and relate the way humans do. The greater cannot come from the lesser. Clearly, God is revealed, and certainly beyond his revelation in the physical world, he has revealed himself in written scripture. Amen. America, we not only have that physical revelation, that theologians call natural revelation. We have special revelation, verbal revelation. The scripture, our country has always had the word of God. From the days of the pilgrims to now, the word of God has been in this land. Our problem is, when we knew God, we did not glorify him as God. We've taken God out, forced him out, in the name of political correctness, in the name of conventional wisdom, in the name of tolerance. You hear that a lot today. Tolerance. In the name of not offending somebody. And in so doing, we've blasphemed God, the Creator. We don't honor Him. Verse 21. We don't give Him thanks. We're empty in our, de- our ideas. We're empty in our foolish hearts are darkened. We think we're smart. The Bible says we're, we're actually moreno. Greek word from which we get morons. So we Americans are morons. Worshipping dolphins or turtles or spotted owls or the, any new religion that comes along, echo feminism or homosexuality, whatever bizarre kind of idolatry we can concoct in the place of the true God, or just worshipping money, power, prestige, worshipping our own physical bodies, whatever it is, it's in place of worshipping God. Amen. I hope I'm making somebody angry out there. I'm hoping you're getting so mad that you're going to look these scriptures up yourself. Because that means the Holy Spirit's at work. Amen? That's the problem in America. It's not just us. It's everybody. Acts chapter 14 says, God has allowed all the nations to go their own way. Oh, that's the whole story of the world. Every nation goes their own way. People are born... They know God exists. God is part of the fabric of their very being. They know God through the law written in their hearts. They can know him through reason. They can be responding to the revelation through their own conscience. The knowledge of God is there. Every society suppresses that because of the fallenness, because of wickedness, because of blindness, because of love of iniquity. They crush the knowledge of God. They crush it lower and lower and lower until it disappears out of their sight. And when that happens, it turns loose the wrath of God. Amen. Now go back to verse 18. 
for the wrath of God is revealed against all who do this. Every once in a while I hear a supposedly well-intentioned and hopeful preacher say, We're on the brink of a great revival in America. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't see what they're looking at. I don't know why or how they would ever come to that conclusion. I believe America is currently experiencing the beginning birth pangs of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is the general reality in our nation right now. From corrupt political leaders who do everything they can to dismiss God, from the president on down, oh, I know there's some Christians fighting for what's right in government, but far too few to even affect a minority representation, let alone gain a majority. And if these Christians were ever to gain a majority, there have been enough laws passed in this nation promoting immoral values and lifestyles that the battle will be long and hard to try and get these immoral laws overturned. So basically, this nation is cursed. It is doomed and not blessed. Am I saying it was an act of God's wrath to allow terrorists to kill people on 9-11 or at Fort Hood, the two Fort Hood shootings or in those schools? I don't know why God does what he does or allows what he does. We've already said that. I do know that for some of the people that died in those attacks, they were catapulted immediately into eternal wrath. I also know that there were some believers who were taken immediately into glory. God may have many purposes in what he does. And I'm not talking about any isolated incident. What I'm telling you is though we're looking at it on a national level. I believe America is experiencing the wrath of God. And I think you'll see that here because the wrath of God is defined for us in verse 24, The well, actually verses 24 and following, and it is very specific. The wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed. Then it tells against what it is that it's revealed. Go down to verse 24. God gave them over. Verse 26, God gave them over. Verse 28, the middle of the verse, God gave them over. That's an interesting phrase. God gave them over, or another way of saying it, God gave them up. And another way to say it, God abandoned them. That's a fascinating statement. There are, as I would count them, five forms of God's wrath that I've been studying. First is eternal wrath. That's the everlasting punishment in hell. That's one form of God's wrath. It's not in view here. Second, there will be what we call eschatological wrath. That's the wrath of God that unfolds at the end of the age during the time of the Great Tribulation when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth and all these things that are described in the book of Revelation takes place. That is a future wrath. Not now. Thirdly, there is a cataclysmic wrath. That's the wrath of God that comes on cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. When God destroys those cities and the cities of the plain, when God destroys Bethesda, Chorazin, Capernaum in the New Testament, there is that cataclysmic wrath that falls on Pompeii or through some massive disaster brings about the death of tens of thousands of people. Cataclysmic expressions of God's wrath often on cultures that have found themselves in this position having rejected the knowledge of God. You see this taking place frequently in Islamic countries. Earthquakes, floods, tsunamis, you name it. They've been experiencing them a lot 
in the past few years. The more they try to spread Islam in the earth, the more they go on massive campaigns of killing Christians, the more God's wrath is poured out on them. There is, fourthly, what I call natural wrath. God has built into the fabric of human life consequences for sin. Some of that consequences is natural. If you sin against your body by becoming an alcoholic, the natural effect, the natural wrath, that worse could be called cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, cirrhosis of the liver. If you sin in a life of immorality, you get involved in homosexuality or promiscuous sexuality, you wind up with a sexually transmitted disease or AIDS. And that's a built-in act of wrath. If you are continuously overeating, you get diabetes. That's the sowing and reaping principle. We're not talking about eternal wrath here. We're not talking about eschatological wrath, catechismic wrath, or natural wrath. There is a fifth kind of wrath. It's the wrath, what I call the wrath of abandonment. The wrath of abandonment. And that's a frightening thing. This is when you've reached a stage where God just gives up on you. He steps back and says, just let him go. Let him go. No more restraining grace. Just turn them over. They want their sin, let them go. We know this is going to happen in its consummate form in the time of the tribulation when the restrainer is removed. Remember, the Holy Spirit and hell belches forth the previously bound demons and all the demons of the universe come down to earth and aid the Antichrist and his efforts to finally conquer the world and beat the kingdom of God. But we get a foretaste of that. We get previews of that as nations turn against God and God gives up on them. This is the wrath of abandonment that's true in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 16, Samson found a Philistine woman by the name of Delilah. You remember the story. She seduced Samson. So he told her that his strength was connected to his Nazarite vow, which had to do with his hair. She made him, according to Judges 16, verse 19, sleep on her knees. Then she called for a man and have him cut off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him somehow, not in some severe sense, but to jostle him, and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as other times and shake myself free. For he had defeated the Philistines on many occasions, by the thousands. He defeated them single-handedly. So he said, I'll go out as other times. Verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Wow. Think about that verse. When the Philistines came, they seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze chains, and he was like a mule grinding in a prison, grinding grain in a prison. For God had left him. Samson did not even know it. He thought God was still with him. That he would go on us at other times and defeat his enemies. But God had turned Samson over to the consequences of his choices. Judges chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, it says, speaking of Israel, Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. I'm done with you. I'm not going to rescue you. I'm not going to protect you. Verse 14 says, God and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. You've chosen your gods. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. You leave me, I leave you. Proverbs uh, chapter 1. 
Because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel. You did not want my, re my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm, and your calamity like a whirlwind, and distress and anguish comes upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. Is that America? Are we saying futilely against a, a bronzed over vaultist guy, God bless America, and God's not going to answer? Why? Because they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They will seek me diligently. They will not find me. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satisfied with their own devices. I'm letting them go. They can have the meal they cooked. Is basically what he's saying. Hosea chapter 4 verse 17 says, Ephraim has joined two idols. Leave him alone. That's amazing. Just let him go. Just let them go. Jesus said about the Pharisees, they're blind leaders of the blind. Leave them alone. Let them go. I'm done with them. That's the frightening wrath that God just steps back and lets sinners go to the consequence of their choices. Well, Brother Bob, how do you know that's happening in America? Well, follow the sequence. Verse 24. You're familiar with this. The first thing that happens, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurities that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They turned their back on God. God gave them over to what? Sexual immorality. They operate on lust. They function in impurity. They dishonor their own bodies. If you look back in America, back to the 1960 era, you see a Supreme Court ruling that forced the removal of the Ten Commandments from being displayed in public schools. They voted God out of the first facet of social life in this nation, the youth. You see, the atheists and socialists followed the lead of the Nazis in Hitler, Germany, where they realized we cannot change the minds of older people. So let's begin with the young people, and we can shape and mold them the way we want. And over the course of a few generations, they will be the leaders. Then we will have our way and we will have our victory. You see that in America today. But immediately after that Supreme Court decision, within just a couple of years, the sexual re revolution began. That's when God begins to let a people go. That's the first step down. They became preoccupied with illicit sex. If it feels good, do it. The love generation. Here we are a few decades later, drowning in a sea of pornography, now pumped into every person on the internet everywhere. But that's only step number one. So we voted God out, and he left. He turns us over to our own sinful desires. And the first one, the first warning, is sexual immorality. Step two is in verse 26. God also gave them over to degrading passions for their women, exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. That's lesbianism. In the same way, also the men abandoned the function of the women and burned in their desire for one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own person the due penalty of their error. That's homosexuality. So first, when God lets the nation go, they sink to immorality. Then they sink to homosexuality. First it's heterosexual sin, 
then it becomes homosexual sin. Does anybody question that we are there in America right now? And then in verse 28, the third step. God gave them over to a depraved mind. What's that? The Greek word, adokimos, is a useless mind. The mind is morally incapable of making a right judgment. When you get to that point, there is no recovery. You can be moral heterosexually. You can be immoral homosexually. And still, somebody can be sane enough to call you back. But when you get to step three, and the mind is incapable of making a right judgment, there is no way back. And you know a society has reached this point when that society, listen to me, will not tolerate anyone making moral judgments. Does that sound familiar today? Anytime anybody in any position of authority says anything even closely resembling to what I'm talking about right now, trying to influence people to return to morality, they are attacked and discredited as being what? Intolerant, right? You want to be an enemy of our culture today in America? Start making moral judgments. Once you don't make, once you don't make any moral judgments, what happens? Verse 29. Unrighteousness fills everything. Wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents with understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Everything breaks loose. And the Jerry Springer show becomes funny to the degraded, depraved mind. But if you step up and call for a halt to the moral insanity and place the law of God in the public eye, believe me, you will be rejected in this day. The same America that keeps saying, God bless America, God bless America, God bless America, is not anywhere near ready to hear how God will bless America. That is, first of all, by establishing his law against which every life is measured against which an inappropriate repentance is required. And even though people, verse 32 says, know that death is the result of these kinds of behaviors, they do them anyway, and they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Does that sound like a particular political party in power right now? They give hearty approval to those who practice immorality. That's where we are right now in this country. So if we're saying, God bless America, God bless America, on the basis of what? We have turned our backs on God. We've blasphemed God. We've rejected God. In His place, we've made our own idols. Now we're saying, God bless America? I'm quite sure that if He were to bless America in the way the people are now asking, it would be hard for Him to maintain His reputation as a holy and just God. Now folks, I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet. But I will tell you this, I cannot see any reason at all why God should bless America. A myriad ways of reasons he would have letting, if he wanted to let go of this nation, he has turned us over to the consequences of our own wickedness. We can sing that song till we're blue in the face. 
doesn't move God at all. Not at all. Listen to what scripture says again. Second Chronicles chapter 7. It's a familiar text. We looked at the latter part of the chat. Let's go to the earlier part. Second Chronicles 7. Solomon, verse 11. Finished the house of the Lord in the king's palace, successfully completing all that he planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. And of, of course, the Solomon temple and palace were the greatest ever built. It says then, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to come here. I'm going to live here, but I'm telling you this. If the people sin, and I have to bring judgment, drought, devastating locust plague, some other type of pestilence, some deadly disease, if I have to bring that, then remember this, and, and this is a verse familiar to a lot of people. Verse 14. My people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. And then I will heal their land. So you say, well, is that a covenant promise for Israel? Well, it's a promise from God to a covenant people. But the standard applies to anybody. If the standard applies to the curse, it also applies to the blessing. Because God does not bless people who reject him. Psalms 81 again. Verse 13 to 16. God says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. If my people would just listen and obey, I would quickly subdue their enemies. I suppose we could extrapolate from that. That the best hope for any nation to be protected and safe and secure and free and prosperous is to have God fighting their battles and subduing their enemies. In verse 16 he says, If my people listen to me and walk in my ways, I will feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. That's blessing. That's just a way to express the blessing. I'll give you the best I've got. I'll give you the best blessings that I have, God says. There are conditions for that. The condition is the law of God must be put back as the standard and obeyed. That's a return to God and a return to His Word. But secondly, there has to be a return to a guilt consciousness. I have to measure my life against the law and repent. Let me use David. Let me use David as an illustration. Oh, amen. I got so much I could go on with. Saul was king, he'd been chosen by the people, but confirmed by God. Now Saul was hunting David to kill him because he felt threatened, of course, by the fact that David was going to be king. On one occasion, Saul is hunting David, and David, David stumbles across Saul in a very compromising position. He's in a cave doing what the Old Testament very delicately calls covering his feet, which means relieving himself. David could have killed him right there, his enemy. He could have killed Saul. And his men even said, kill him, kill him, kill him. Look, there he is, kill him. But he wouldn't do that. He just snuck over and cut off a little piece of his robe, Saul's robe, to let him know he could have killed him. Then it says in 1 Samuel 24, 5, And David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe because Saul was the Lord's anointed one. I'm telling you folks, that's a very sensitive conscience, isn't it? 
hypersensitive conscience. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.